to the Strictly Anonymous podcast. Conversations with online strangers. We place ads online. Craigslist is definitely the gift that keeps on giving. Real people respond. You go to Singapore or Thailand. You can't not do it. The temptation is just too much. Real problems. Does your friend know that you're banging her? No, he has no idea. And anything goes. Motto of the show. Let your Greek flag fly. Probably the only good advice I'll ever give you is to rehide your whips and chain. Here is your host, Kathy. Hey, welcome to the Strictly Anonymous podcast. If you haven't followed me yet on Instagram or Twitter, do it now. Follow me at Strict Anonymous. That's at Strict Anonymous. If you want to be on the show, this is a call-in show where people remain anonymous. That's why it's called anonymous, strictly anonymous. I change everybody's voices. You could call me from a fake number. You make up a fake name. I will change your voice, like I said, and all you got to do is call in and tell your true story. Do you have a secret life or an interesting life, a naughty life that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous? You could be on the show. Send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. Go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com and click on be on the show or follow me on Instagram or Twitter at strictanonymous and you could DM me there. You could also call in to my confessionals line that's available 24 seven. You have four minutes to leave a confession. If you need more time, call back. The number's 347-420-3579. That's 347 347- 420-3579. I changed the voices there to, for right now, I'm just airing those on my Patreon, but I'm going to eventually put those together. Maybe do an episode on YouTube or on my podcast. Not really sure. <laughs> right now, I am now airing my episodes uh, Sunday mornings. They'll be available Sunday mornings instead of, su- I mean, su- not Sunday. Instead of Sunday nights, I'm airing them first thing Monday morning. I'm also airing my episodes on Wednesday, first thing Wednesday mornings instead of Wednesday at 12. I switch that around a little bit. And then every other Friday, I have my Fetish Fridays. Today I have on Aubrey. Now that pesky Aubrey is a prostitute. She is on Twitter as herself. She calls herself the pesky prostitute. (laughs) Um, But she's not pesky on this episode at all. She's actually super informative, very open. She's been Uh, a sex worker for a very long time. So she's kind of been there, done that. And she talks all about it, why she got into it, how she started off, what she learned, how and why she started to work for herself, how she came out to her kids and what she does with her clients, you know, how she goes about navigating her personal relationships while being out as a sex worker and how guys feel about that, you know, what she does and doesn't do with clients, how she finds them. She lives in Canada. So she explains, you know, how sex work is legal there, but it's kind of like a twist. It was very confusing the first time I heard about it, but she really explains it better in this episode. She's really into social justice and that really is her passion. So besides being a sex worker, she goes out there and she works for a sex work organization and she speaks on it. So she talks a lot about that at the end as well. And it's super interesting to hear her take on everything because like I said, she's been doing this a long time time. So she knows her shit. She knows what works. She knows what doesn't work. And she really knows herself. Uh, And so we get super personal about all of it as well as big picture because she's into that too. I really liked her and I know you're going to like her too. So I'm going to be right back on with Aubrey. This is the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. 
Um, hi, Aubrey. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous podcast. How are you tonight, to this evening? I'm doing great, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you on because, I mean, listen, typically I'm talking to people who are calling up to talk about, like, their secret naughty lives that they're, you know, and all the stuff that they're doing on the DL. But every now and then I have somebody who's, you know, very out and proud about who they are and what they're doing. And I love guests like that because I think, you know, a part of why I do my show is so that there are more people like you. You're uh, a prostitute on Twitter. You're on there as that pesky Aubrey and you're that pesky prostitute. I personally think you call yourself pesky because you have great comebacks on there. Like, I was like, oh, this bitch is quick witted. You have like sharp <laughs> cutting, cutting like right at, back at you comebacks. I think that part of that is just that that's kind of always been my sense of humor. It's very dry. And yeah. I think that doing the work that I do, I'm just, I'm getting communications from dozens to hundreds of men every day. And a lot of them are just absolutely ridiculous. And it, some of it gets really frustrating. So I prefer to just have my own fun with it. And if I can at least make myself laugh, then <laughs> it's no. no skin off my back so yeah no and I, I mean listen I would think that you'd become popular because it's not like you're yeah you're a prostitute but it's not like you have on your Twitter like tons of like naked pictures of yourself or anything like that right I think that you probably got get a lot of play because you are also very witty and funny and have good comebacks because that goes a long way on Twitter definitely I think that I think that my account is also somewhat unique in the sense that there's a lot of sex workers on Twitter, um, mm -hmm. but mostly in the form of a very curated, branded business page mm -hmm. for their sex work business. Mm -hmm. And then also there's a lot of anonymous sex worker accounts, which are the same people that have those business accounts often have anonymous accounts where they do all their griping or speak more candidly about things they might not want their clients to read. And I think that my account is somewhat unique because it's kind of both. Like I, I use my face and it's, you know, I do have clients that follow me, but I speak my mind and I'm very open and honest about both the good and the bad side of the work that I do. And so it's a little bit unique in that sense. Yeah, that's amazing. That's great, though. That's what sets you apart. Now, how, when and how did you become a sex worker? And how old are you now around? I don't know that you should ever ask a girl her real age. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I'm 37 now and I advertise for my business as my real age and I'm very open about my real age. So yeah, I'm 37 now, but I first entered the industry several years ago when I was about 21 or 22 Oh wow! Um, mm -hmm. as a university student and a young single mother. So I did that for a little while and then left the industry and I've worked in a few other careers and I ended up returning to the business and returning independently and it's become my my full career and it's 
the only thing that I do for a living. And it's a legitimate business here in Canada. We have partial decriminalization. So it's not criminalized for me to do sex work and my business is registered and I pay business taxes and income taxes and the whole nine yards, just like any other uh, self-employed individual. Yeah, I had um, another... Uh, sex worker on who was from Canada and the way she explained it it was very confusing to me she was like you know but maybe Mm -hmm. it's different now I don't know I forget how long ago I spoke with her but she was saying that it's like legal for her to do it but it's and maybe that's the where the partial comes in but it's not legal for the men to hire you like I but I really couldn't wrap my head around it could you explain that yeah Sure. So, yeah, it's partial decriminalization, not criminalized for independent sex workers to do sex work, Mm -hmm. but it is criminalized still for the clients to hire you, use our services. Although in practice, it's not there. There's nobody that's really being prosecuted or arrested. There's no sting operations to try and arrest clients. Yeah. The main thing that you do see with police activity around the business is they are looking for trafficking. And part of what that entails is that even for consensual sex workers, you cannot employ sex workers. So any type of brothel setting or massage parlor type setting where Mm -hmm. somebody else is making money off of somebody else providing sex work services, that is still criminalized. Mm -hmm. So there are sting operations and there are arrests in those types of settings. But for independent providers, it's not criminalized to provide, but it is still technically illegal for the clients, but not in actuality or practice, really. Yeah, that's a little that I understand a little bit more now that the way you just described it. Now, was it like, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's been like that since I believe like 2010. Now, I, it's been a while since I've actually done any of the research on that. So please don't take yeah. that year as gospel. <laughs> but it's a holdover from a past conservative government. And the, the, the mindset behind it is to, they want to decrease demand for sex work, which I mean, is laughable as a concept. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're, you're just never going to t- decrease the demand for sex work. Exactly. It's been around yeah. for as long as uh, civilization, I think. Totally. And, um, probably before that. And, uh, yeah, it's, I don't see the demand ever going away, but the logic that was used in, um, setting the laws as they are, was that they want to view sex workers as victims and mm-hmm. clients as perpetrators. So it's a very backwards kind oh. of mindset that just completely removes any and all autonomy from the sex workers in terms of being able to make those choices or have that con- ability to consent to what they do with their own body or what other people do with their body. But yeah, that's, that's kind of the perspective behind it. It's a really 
convoluted legal framework Mm -hmm. and it really makes it more difficult for sex workers to do their work safely. It makes it more difficult to properly screen screen clients when, when they're on the criminal end of an activity and you're not. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like she brought that up uh, too. So in one sense, they gave you the freedom to do it, but in another sense, there's less protection. But anyway, let's get back to you now. So you, when you started, when you were 21, you said you were in university. Was it because Mm -hmm. like, was it strictly like, oh my God, I need the money? Was it, oh my God, I loved sex and I need money? So, you know. Good news. Strictly Anonymous Podcast is looking for people to call into the show. So if you lead an interesting, naughty secret life that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous or not anonymous, if you're out and proud, that's cool too. Send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. That's strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com. Dot com and click on be on the show. If you have a short confession that you want to get off your back, call my confessions hotline 347-420-3579. That's 347-420-3579. You could call that number 24-7. I change all the voices on the confessions too. So you remain anonymous. The number, the website, and the email address will all be in the description. Yeah, well, that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I've always been a very sexually open and sexually active person. So the idea of doing sex work didn't seem like a completely foreign concept to me. It really just seemed like monetizing my recreational activity. Yeah. <laughs> in a way. Um, but yeah, I was I was a university student and I was a young single mother. So I just I needed work that was not going to demand a lot of my time and was going to pay well. And then I actually answered a, a newspaper ad <laughs> for like an agency that was hiring. And how was that whole first experience, like working with the agency, your first quote unquote, John, like, I mean, I, I really went into it not knowing what to expect, but having sort of an idea that was whatever I'd cobbled together from whatever I'd seen in movies or TV, which was inaccurate and not very much source info available anyway but um and what was was yeah not not very accurate but so i i i really wasn't sure what to expect but it was different than i expected in the sense that i thought originally that it would be going out on dates with clients and you know maybe like one client one evening and it was really more well almost like if you were to go somewhere for a massage right like so there's appointments and and you're just, you do a shift and you're trying to book as many appointments within your shift as you can because you're trying to maximize your profits. So mm-hmm. it was kind of thrilling for a while. I think it was new and it was very exhilarating because it felt so taboo and so, yeah. and it was a secret to uh-huh. other people in my life. And it was, kind of thrilling to just feel that 
sense of being desirable and to have men all the time just like gushing over you, I suppose. So it was very intoxicating in a lot of ways and it's fast money. It's not easy money. Mm -hmm. I think it's a misnomer to call it easy money, but it can be very quick money and that can be very appealing. It's like an instant reward, right? Yeah, for sure. Being paid in cash at the end of every shift or, or whatever. So... Yeah. And then how do you leave? I mean, I think that's the hardest thing if you get into something like that, where you are making a lot of money in a short amount of time to get out of it. I mean, you said you at one point you did get out and you did do other things. I think that's hard if you compare it to like a regular, like a job in the regular world, right? That isn't that you have to work from the bottom up to the top. I mean, is that why you went back? Because you were it just you just make so much more money doing this and it's what you enjoy? Yeah, for so many reasons, like being a single mother, doing independent sex work, like you you make your own hours. So I was able to work while my kids were at school and essentially provide them with a stay-at-home mom experience where I'm there in the morning making their lunches and getting them ready and sending them off to school. And I'm there after school and I can go on all their field trips and I can volunteer in their classrooms and do all of those types of things. So it's very appealing for mothers, I think, in that regard. And also for people with various disabilities, for myself, I have a CPTSD diagnosis and I'm at a very good place with my mental health now in my life. Thanks, therapy, but um, (laughs) also at the... (laughs) But at various points, like it's been more of a struggle for me and I had to do a lot of work and I needed to be able to take time off when I needed. I needed to be able to take care of myself in a better way and and working in an office environment from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day and with stresses of the corporate world and with all of that shit, it's just... There's no comparison. I I don't want to sit in a cubicle with fluorescent lighting for eight or nine hours every day where, you know, I'm literally just making rich people richer off of my labor and having little to show for it. Yeah, it's just it's a completely different ballgame. It's 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 a it's an industry where women and femmes are on top and <laughs> we don't see that in a lot of industries totally not at all yeah uh, yeah and um and i do i really enjoy the work i enjoy the work now a lot more than i have at other points because i am where i'm at with my mental health and because as i've aged and as i've had more experience i've just become a lot more confident and assertive and good at setting boundaries and good at saying no and all of those things that are really, I think, necessary to maintain your well-being in this type of work. But but I really enjoy the work. I love that every day is different. I never know what to expect. I meet all kinds of different people and I connect with different people and have interesting conversations about all kinds of different topics and, you know, and then all the fun sex stuff too. I I like giving people pleasure and I like receiving pleasure and I like physical touch and 
all of those things. So. And now do you have, like, have you had in all this time, you know, since you're 21 and you're 37 now, have you had any long-term relationships within that time? And were you open with them? I know you said you started out in the beginning. It was a very secret thing. I mean, over time, Mm -hmm. did you have partners and did you tell them like what went down in your romantic life? So I've had one a relationship where I didn't tell them and I tried to keep it a secret Mm -hmm. and it was, um, but that was before I became out and open as a sex worker in general. Um, and that was incredibly stressful. It didn't feel right for my personal moral values, Mm -hmm. um, and my integrity. It was just a really unhealthy scenario yeah you're like living a double and, life right mm-hmm. and lying yeah, I mean there's so yeah. it's so exhausting right? yeah I mean, come on yeah it's incredibly stressful yeah um, incredibly stressful and yeah so I I would never ever 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 do that again but uh, I did have one relationship which was it lasted a year that we just split in February actually but uh, I was open from the beginning with him and I never hit it. That's great. And he was cool with that. Was he okay with it? I mean, is that yeah. what broke you up after a year? Like, could he No, it wasn't it? what broke us up. Right, right, right. It wasn't what broke us up, but I'm sure that, I'm sure that it did cause issues in some ways, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a direct or primary issue. Let me tell you, I have a lot of guys on my show that are into, I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of cucks out there. I mean, you probably like, there's, yeah, I mean, there's that, but to be honest, like it sounds ideal to pair somebody who's got a cuckold fetish with a sex worker looking for that monogamous relationship, but to have your work life fetishized uh, by your partner is not necessarily the healthiest dynamic, I don't think. Um, I think that it would probably be fine at times, but yeah. I think that there's a lot of times where you don't want to rehash your work day for somebody else's uh, yes. like enjoyment and sexual pleasure, and especially when your work day is performing sexually and you know what I mean? It's yeah, you've had me. I'm yeah, not sure yeah. that that's the healthiest dynamic for sure. And then I think that it could also lead to some conflicts of interest just in terms of, you know, if if your partner is getting pleasure out of you going and seeing clients and, and you're wanting days where you're not, like, I, I, I don't know. I, I've never tried to have a romantic partnership yeah. with somebody with a cuckold fetish as a sex worker. Yeah, yeah. So I can't say that I'm speaking from experience, but that's my perspective on how that would feel. Um, I've definitely ha- I have a lot of cuckold clients and I have clients who do fetishize my work and they want to, you know, book the last appointment of my day and they want to oh, hear all they, about my right. day. And, mm-hmm. And, you know, like if you've had a shitty day, you've had clients that made you feel kind of crummy or they just left a bad taste in your mouth. Like it just it 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 would start to feel, I think, burdensome to have a partner that's wanting to to 
to build your sex, your intimate partnered sex life around your work. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, one of the things that you explained, uh, like as a reason why it wouldn't work would have been enough for me to be like, yeah, duh, like, what was I thinking, you know, but I, you know, but you have 10 and every single one of them is completely valid and makes so much (laughs) sense that it's like the opposite. Like you said, it would be terrible for all of those reasons. Do you know what I mean? I have put a lot of thought yeah. into this because it's kind of interesting for me because the first several years after I split with the guy that I was hiding the yeah. sex work yeah. from, mm-hmm. I stayed single yeah. and I did a lot of work on myself and personal growth and all of those things. In that time frame, I became out to everybody important in my life about what I do. I became open on social media. And so I really, I shifted the entire way that I live my life as a sex worker. Right. And I was, yeah, I was not looking for any sort of romantic relationship. And for a while I was kind of sure that I was like somebody that wanted to just actually be alone and spend my life alone. And then there there was just kind of a shift and I started to feel a little bit more like I would like to have a life partner and have that in my life. But I am kind of in a, a little bit of a more niche <laughs> dating pool in that I am not polyamorous. I want a monogamous partnership. And I don't think that there's a lot of people out there that are wanting a monogamous partnership but are okay with their partner doing right. sex work. Right. So <laughs> therein lies the problem. But I, I kind do- of have to I kinda have to just like because I am quite happy on my own and I have a, an incredibly full and, and rich life and I'm very happy and I would like a partner but I love what I do and I love the life that I've built for myself. Mm-hmm. So it, I'm not going to change that in order to try and rearrange my life to be more palatable to more people potentially as partners. I think that maybe there's somebody out there or somebody out there that would be appropriate and would be okay with it. And otherwise, I'm I okay. think that I have <laughs> seen it numerous times in my life and other people's lives that, you know, when you set an intention and decide what it is that you want and you don't accept anything else, like the right situation winds up happening, even if it's like the craziest scenario that you think you could never have made it happen, it does. Like it sounds crazy. Like here you are a sex worker that wants to have sex with other people, but you want a monogamous (laughs) relationship and you want that guy to be okay with you then. But he could like, they're like, oh, that's like, you're never going to find that. But no. No way. I believe there's somebody for everybody. I also believe in like, you know, whatever it is that you want in your life, you should be able to have it. And there's no reason why that perfect concoction doesn't exist and won't show up. And I think if you're just, like I said, if that's your intention and that's how you live and that's who you are and that's what you fucking want, like eventually you'll find it. And that person does exist. I believe that 100%, you know? Well, thank you for that. And I do, I do fully um, believe in my, 
my personal worth as a partner. I know what right. I bring to the table in a relationship and I know how loyal and devoted and prioritized I make my partners feel and all of those things. So it, it's not a matter of feeling like I'm not worthy or not good enough. It's just whether or not that person will enter my life. And <laughs> but I'm open to it if it comes around. Yeah, no, that's cool. But do you, now, do you have a lot of like, I mean, you set it up yourself. What was the difference between working for the agency as opposed to how you're set up now? Yeah, so I'm just I'm just running my own business. So I, I'm doing my own advertising and I'm communicating with potential clients who reach out to make inquiries and setting appointments and seeing clients and... I did the agency when I started out when I was 21, but when I first returned to the industry, uh, I was 28 or 29, and I returned to the same agency. And things had already shifted in the time that I was not involved in the industry, just in terms of actually how things functioned. So things had shifted online. So whereas before, like I said, I answered a newspaper ad oh, for right. this agency saying they were hiring uh, yeah. and and clients were actually calling from a newspaper ad, like in a hard print newspaper yeah. with a phone number to call, which was like a landline <laughs> oh my in this. So when I say agency, like it was literally an apartment yeah. in a high rise building, mm-hmm. just, you know. Uh, mixed in amongst normal tenants. And yeah, it was a landline uh, that people would call and they would book through the woman that ran it. But then when I returned to the industry, I was working for the agency. I was doing a lot of my own advertising online and then corresponding via text with clients myself and booking my own appointments. So really what the agency was providing for me was the location and that was about it so it just it made sense to work independently and it's been so much better what's your location now though do you do it at your house or do Uh, you get hotels i would assume you get hotels no i work from home oh okay even better for lucky you like you don't have to even leave the house (laughs) Uh, right yeah so it's the main difference i think is just that I don't have anybody else that's making money off of this other than what I pay in taxes. So um, there's nobody that kind of has that conflict of interest where they stand to make money off of my yes when I want to say no. Uh So I can say no whenever I want. So I get to choose my clients. And I've built up a good a good set of regular clientele and I've established a good name for myself in the area because I only work locally. And I've really honed my abilities to sort of pick out the people that are going to be problematic or super annoying or whatever. So now I find that I'm actually with clients that I've booked. I'm, I rarely see people that, um, I have a really bad experience with because I'm just pretty good at screening them just based on 
the communications. Yeah, that's great. Like, you know, you could spot a psycho from a mile away because you've just been doing it for so long. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you start to you start to notice the patterns in communication styles. So even if it's not just like psychos, but like even if it's just like, oh, this guy is going to be pushing boundaries during the appointment. Yeah, uh-huh. He's going to be annoying or I'm going to have to keep my guard up, whatever. Right. So Or high maintenance. Would it, you yeah. tell that you came out to everybody at some point in your life. Like how did everybody mm-hmm. react? Like your family members and those kind of people that were very close with you? Um, well, I kind of have a unique situation in the sense that I'm estranged from my family of origin. So mm-hmm. when I say I came out to the important people in my life, that would be my kids right. who are teenagers and then like my close friends and everybody. Yeah. And like my children's father. Yeah. Those people. Well, that's family, right? That's um, your family. It, it went, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my family. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like everybody always is just like, oh, well, you know, did your parents approve or disapprove? Yeah, 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 it, yeah. Right, right, right. That that's not applicable to my life. But my kids took it really well. But I mean, I've always raised them to have a different perspective with things like sex work mm-hmm. or those kinds of things. Like we've always discuss things openly in our house so if they you know were watching a movie or there was a stripper on a show or whatever like we just had dialogue and conversations around sex work as a concept and sex workers Uh as people um, doing jobs so it wasn't this hugely shocking you know thing for them because the the concept itself wasn't huge and shocking they were still surprised but they've taken it in stride really well yeah they're very cool about it (laughs) with me um their dad's very cool about it he's supportive Mm -hmm. yeah that's great yeah and they see like i mean i mean they're kids right so they care about how i'm treating them yeah right. (laughs) right yeah they don't they don't care so like i mean they want they want a happy mom and they have a happy mom and a mom who's involved and takes care of them so what about the guys that you typically yeah. see are they typically always married are they you know is it a variety like what is the demographic um i see a lot of different demographics yeah. um but that's because i'm mid range i would say like so I mean, if you have the people who are a little more exclusive, who have very high rates and are maybe booking like a few clients a month, yeah. then the people that are affording their, their services are generally going to be the same economic demographics, right? right. But for me, I'm seeing blue-collar workers, white-collar workers. I've seen politicians. I've seen lawyers. I've seen teachers. Teachers, I've seen car mechanics, like I've seen all kinds of different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Um, I live in a very multicultural, diverse city, so I'm seeing all kinds of different ethnicities and all kinds of different personalities, too. Right. But are they typically married? Or Right. I was going to say, are there some, maybe some are a lot are married, but maybe you also get like the single younger guy that wants a, his first experience. And yeah. And there's the older 
you know, divorced guys who don't want to get out into the dating world or don't have the confidence or who are still, you know, dealing with the impacts of the divorce on their lives. So, yeah, I do see, I do see a lot of married clients for sure, but I see a lot of single guys. I see a lot of younger single guys that, you know, don't want to participate in like the dating scene or the hookup culture or who don't fare very well in that kind of forum, like that kind of platform, Mm -hmm. the swiping platform, you know, you, 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 like it takes a lot as a guy to be successful on those. And so I see a lot of guys that just don't want to bother with those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. Um, And then I see also just like, very busy professionals that don't have time to maintain relationships or to try and date or to, you know, they don't want to try and build a commitment with somebody, but they don't want to lead people on, but they don't want to have a different hookup every night. So they just want to find one person that they can book in a transactional way and fit it into their schedule. And, get on with their life, right? There's a lot of tech industry around here. We have the Canadian Google headquarters in our city. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a couple of universities. We had the Perimeter Institute, like a lot of, a lot of tech and a lot of academics. So I do tend to see a lot of that, like a lot of software developers or people who are, you know, putting in long hours and really don't. just don't have the time for the social side of things. No, because you have regulars, right? And you're seeing the same guys and you're seeing a whole range. I mean, have you ever fallen for one of your clients? Has that ever happened to you where you have had a relationship or fall fell for a guy that was one of your clients? Yeah, my last relationship. Oh, really? Oh, no way. (laughs) (laughs) And that is the uh, last time that I will ever go there for the client. So. Oh, why? But but, well, you (laughs) listen. You said it didn't. Well, you said it didn't. It wasn't the reason why it ended. Yeah, it's not. I mean, he was, he was a liar and a manipulator and a cheater. And I discovered right before Christmas that pretty much the entirety of our relationship, he had been living a double life. So definitely that soured me in that regard. But I think that it also just changed how I want to approach any sort of romantic situation in the future, just in the sense that I would like to take my time getting to know somebody. And I would like to do that without complicating it with sex in the beginning, because I'm very sex positive. I've never been somebody who's been like, Oh, we should wait. That's never been me. If if I want to fuck and they want to fuck, then let's fuck. But I, you know, you have to at some point just be logical about it and realize that, yeah, it does produce hormones inside of us when we have those physical, intimate 
interactions yeah. with people. We have the oxytocin release. Yeah. We have the serotonin release and the dopamine and all of those things that make us like chemically kind of dependent on this person. So when you have, when you have a crush on somebody or you have feelings for somebody and then you flood yourself with all those feel good yeah. hormones when you're spending time with them, it really is going to blind you to looking at them and evaluating who right. they are properly. So I, I feel like I don't want any future relationships of mine to start out where we've been in uh, sexual transactional situation together. And I think that I would rather meet somebody in some other venue organically and get to know them as a person and have things develop in that kind of way uh, for any future thing. Yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. And I think that that really makes sense. And I also think like, cause I, I am very genuine and I try, like, I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not, in a persona when I'm working, like yeah. I have work name, Aubrey is my work name. That's obviously just a, a safety thing though. Yeah, of course. Um, I don't have a work persona and I'm not acting like I genuinely am interacting with people as myself. However, it's still a customer service job. Yeah. So the, if you're, if you're spending time with me, and you're paying me for that companionship, then I'm not going to be sitting there and complaining to you about the stuff that's irritated me that day. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to be, you know, so it's still curated in that sense. It's still a customer service version of me. So that's who they're getting to know is just like the nice side. And I just think that for any future relationship, I really would like it to start in a more genuine like friendship place and I just don't think that it can start that way if I'm meeting them as client and provider but I have been uh, I've gotten a lot more involved in the community since that breakup so I started volunteering with a, a sex worker organization locally and I've been doing a lot of community work with through that and just meeting a lot of different people and getting to know people as myself and and as a, a sex worker, but not as their sex worker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's been really interesting because I'm getting to know a lot of more like social justice oriented people in the community, and and that's really a passion of passion of mine and has always been a passion of mine is social justice and that kind of work. So I think that I would far rather meet somebody um, that way, in that kind yeah. of a way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rather than connecting professionally. <laughs> yeah. Or the other, what was the other dumb way that I said? Oh yeah. I date a cock. I mean, like I just sound like a fucking moron. <laughs> But here you are doing this kind of work and that would be really someone that is very in line with you because yeah, you're a sexy person. You love sex. You know, you're, you're a sex worker. You're all these things, but you also have this side of you 
where, like you said, you're attracted to social justice and it's a part of you. You've talked about how you've gone to therapy. You're so self-aware. You've changed your life. You've done a lot of bold, big things. Like, you know, I, I think that you need somebody that is going to meet you in all those areas, you know, and that specific one of really being out there and doing the work and having, you know, that bigger picture mentality. I think that's a real interesting place to connect with somebody, you know, and that would, that's like, because that's not common with everybody. You know, a lot of people don't have that inside them, you know, but you do. And that's why you're a, a good person to get out there, but that you could definitely meet a guy, quote unquote. But with the guys that you see, I mean, what is it that you do that you love? Do you get like, I mean, I don't know if it's a dumb question, but like, do you get turned on with with every guy? I mean, um, I do quite frequently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so definitely like I, I can definitely experience the physical responses and, and be aroused and all of that, but I definitely am not always. And generally when I'm not, it's because I feel a little more guarded with mm-hmm. the client. So if they feel a little pushy or whatever, then I just have to keep my guard up because obviously my personal security and safety is always has to be the priority. But just the more I can relax around a client, then the more fun generally I can have with them. But yeah, I don't need to find them like objectively physically attractive right. in order to enjoy having sex with them or to have pleasure from having sex with them. Right. And I, I've always been somebody where my, what turns me on the most is exciting and pleasuring somebody else and all of the seduction of that and all of the, the little nuanced touches and looks and all of that kind of stuff really excites me and I really enjoy that. And I have a lot of fun with that. And I think that I kind of, there, it's like a positive feedback cycle with the, the energy between two people. So when, when it's good, it, you feed off of that and, and it carries through and forward yeah. to other clients as well. So I would then think that maybe there's some clients in your rotation that you're like excited to see because you're like, oh, like this is going to, you know, you know that that person turns you on because you've been with them, right? Yeah, definitely. And like, I mean, for example, today I had three clients and I had genuine orgasms with all three clients and had like good experiences and Lucky you. Have a nice day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you made money, right? You're just like, lucky you. And I made money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I always like, and I, you know, I don't know. I always like the price lists. I'm always like, how much is it? Like, I don't know. I like that kind of information for some reason. It's like interesting to me, you know, and I'm like, oh, is it more for anal? Like, are there right. certain things where like you upsell? I mean, how does it work? I don't really upcharge for much because I don't really offer a lot of sort of extras or add-ons or anything yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Like my service is genuine, like generally it, it, it would be classified as like the girlfriend yes. experience. Uh-huh. Although I always joke that I'm less girlfriend experience and more like weird friend who gives amazing head. <laughs> <laughs> because Every guy wants I, one of those. <laughs> 
because I am very like silly and weird. Like I said, I am very much myself in my interactions and I'm, I am a silly person and I'm somebody who likes to joke around and laugh and talk and have a good time. So I, I do that. I always offer massage to start the appointment. I actually have a background in massage, but find that it's a nice way to ease into things. And I, I tend to like, I guess, specialize more in like a more intimate, sensual type of experience. So it is very much about, you know, the, the non-sexual touch as much as the sexual touch. And there's lots of cuddling and, you know, massage and caress and all of those kinds of things. Um, and then just, I tend to offer very routine basic. <laughs> I don't do anal. I don't do a lot of fetish stuff. I've done all of that stuff within the course of, of all my time, career right? experience. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I, now I basically have just really figured out where I'm really good, what, what, works well for me and leaves me feeling emotionally and physically and mentally well as well. So yeah, that's, I'm pretty simple. I just charge, I do half hours or hours and my rates are like, I, I charge 150 for a half hour and 250 for an hour. Right. It's Canadian. So Canadian rates are not really comparable to U.S. rates. U.S. rates are generally higher than most other places just because of how illegal it is in the U.S. Right, right. So obviously having it partially decriminalized here impacts uh, the rates. But yeah, I for, for my city, I'm the higher end of average, I guess. Yeah, yeah. In what I charge. And it's where I'm comfortable. Like, I don't have aspirations to be somebody who charges a very high rate and sees a couple clients a month and does, like, longer sort of things where it might be an overnight or a weekend or things like that. That's really not my interest at all. Uh (laughs) I like a nice half hour, hour. I feel like after about an hour, my charm's going to start to wear. (laughs) 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 Because no matter how pleasant or unpleasant they are, I can generally be very charming for an hour. But even, even with people that I love and adore and enjoy spending time with, I, I'm I'm kind of more introverted, so I, I enjoy a lot of it alone time, and I don't like spending like extended periods of time yeah. being on. Mm-hmm. So I to totally speak. understand that. Yeah. So I I don't like doing the overnights or weekends or anything like that. I'm somebody who likes to have my bedtime routine in my own bed, yeah. ten o'clock every night. Uh, right. <laughs> Now, how do people find you? Like, how do people, well, how can my listeners find you if they want to? And also, how do people find you? Like, I mean, is it mostly, do you find, do people find you on Twitter? Some, Some people do. Like, I don't use Twitter as a business account, right. but I've definitely gotten a lot of clients off of Twitter. Yeah. Um, I do only work locally, so I don't flying to go see of anybody course, anywhere yeah. else mm-hmm. or doing any tours to other cities. I'm only yeah. working in my city, but I post ads on an ad site and that's kind of a weird thing too with the way that the Canadian sex work laws are. We can legally or at least not illegally advertise our own services, 
but yeah. it's illegal to advertise somebody else's services, but it's also illegal to host the ads for sex workers. So okay. the ad site that I use, which is popular in my area and across Canada, is actually hosted in Europe because they can't legally be hosted in Canada. So I actually have to pay in euros uh, for advertising. So oh I my get God, killed on the conversion rate. <laughs> but um, yeah, the laws around it are really weird. So I, yeah, I advertise um, on like a an ad site that's designed for that purpose. I know the ones in the United States, they're, you know, the, it's kind of like Uber where you people have ratings. Like, can you, through where you are, like, do you get to see anything about that person ahead of time as, as far as like whether they've seen other people or anything? Is that the kind of site that you're on or do they even allow that or maybe not because it's still so one-sided? Um, the, the site that I'm using to advertise doesn't really support that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, what we do have is, like sex workers have their own systems set up, underground systems, right? right? Blacklists and that kind of thing. I can't speak too much on yeah, that yeah. just uh-huh. for security reasons, obviously. But um, yeah. so we do have that kind of thing. And then everybody does screening in their own way. And some people have extensive screening where they're running background checks and criminal record checks and things like that. And some people have very little screening and they're basically just accepting whatever comes through. And most people fall somewhere in between. And that would be you. I mean, you've been in the business for so long. So like you said, you you also have that going for you in that you could probably weed people out quicker just because you've been doing it, right? Right. And and I do think that it's important to note because I think that because sex work has been so underground traditionally and it's so far removed from the public perception at most times, people have this idea that sex workers' clients are these, you know, others of society and that there's an inherent danger just in who sex worker clients are. Uh But that's such a myth. And the truth is that sex workers clients are just the men of society. Right. So they're your family members and they're your friends and they're the guy from down the street and they're teaching your kid in school and they're, you know, running your courts. So there's no inherent danger to sex work. Like it's not by nature dangerous any more than being, say, a massage therapist who works independently is. Um, The danger comes with the stigma and the criminalization of it. And that's what actually makes it dangerous. So, yes, I do feel like I've developed a success. I mean, I think that most women and femmes have that intuitive sense because we have been treated as prey our entire lives. We develop those protective instincts, right? But that's just magnified when you're doing this work. But it's also just, I think, an important distinction to note that the majority, I've had more experiences with sexual violence or with danger 
because of being a woman from men outside of sex work than I have on the job. Yeah. Yeah. In a weird way, I can understand why. And there is, like I said, the danger, like because sex work is stigmatized, because sex workers are not seen as human as other normal women or whatever, like there are predators who will target us because of that, right? right? Mm -hmm. Predators are always going to target the victims that aren't going to be missed as much, aren't going to be investigated as much, those kinds of things, the ones who are in more vulnerable positions in society. Right. Um, So there are predators who are going to target us because we're sex workers, and we've definitely seen a lot of violence um, and murders of sex workers, particularly the more marginalized amongst us, the ones who have intersex affecting marginalization with their race or other factors but right. we can be targeted but the the danger itself really is just just being a woman or a femme right in society and interacting with men mm-hmm. and like I've I in working for a software company doing a normal everyday office job I had a coworker who started stalking me from that work. Right. You know, and like so so the the risk is my womanhood, really. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not that I'm a sex worker. And the problem is violence against women and femmes. Right. Right? That's the underlying problem. Misogyny and and the stigma that we face from society just exacerbates that. Yeah. But then also when you criminalize sex work, so in places, especially like the U.S., one of the primary perpetrators of violence against sex workers is the police. And the ones who are on the receiving end of that are the trans the black, the Hispanic sex workers. Right. They are the ones that are facing the most interactions with the police where those powers can be abused. So it's so important when people have the goal of making sex workers safe, it shouldn't be about removing them from the industry or making the industry harder to work within, it should be about looking at what the underlying factors that lead to violence against sex workers is, and that is the misogyny and the criminalization and the stigma and those things, and those are what needs to be addressed. And then if you want people to be able to not do sex work if they would rather not do it, then you need to set up better social services available to people who are in positions where sex work becomes their best option, even if it's not what they want to do. And that's how you make sure that the people doing sex work are doing it consensually and want to be doing it. And the same goes for trafficking. If If your goal is to decrease human trafficking, then criminalizing consensual sex work actually drives the traffickers further 
underground and mm-hmm. it actually increases the prevalence of the trafficking within the industry. And I think it's important to know that sex work is not the only industry where human trafficking takes place. It takes place in lots of industries. Migrant workers, um, like farm agricultural workers, nail salons, domestic laborers, these are all rife with human trafficking. And nobody is trying to criminalize those industries in order to decrease the trafficking. The ways to decrease the trafficking is to provide better supports so that people who are in traffic situations can get themselves out of them. But the more you drive them underground by criminalizing the industry, the more vulnerable the trafficking victims are. And that's why organizations like Amnesty International support full decriminalization of sex work in the pursuit of decreasing and ending human trafficking. Oh my God, you're like, really, you were made to do, to be out there speaking about this because you could probably just tape another hour just talking about this, but like, I have to wrap it up. (laughs) I appreciate you letting me talk at length about it. (laughs) I just think it's wonderful that that's, you know, what you're into. And I wanted you to go off a little bit because I think, like I said, it's important for people to know. Absolutely. And I think that that's great. And now where could people find you? Is it just on Twitter past the, the, that pesky Aubrey anything else you want to give out yeah so it's at Aubrey pesky on Twitter which is a-u-b-r-i-e-p-e-s-k-y and that's really at this point just the best place to keep up with me all right awesome I'll put that link in the description thanks so much Aubrey for calling in and telling your story and good luck with everything thanks for having me it's been wonderful talking to you yeah I think in 20 years you're going to be like on TV talking to like still doing this but even on a bigger platform and I think it's great I mean you know the social (laughs) aspect of it I think it's like the social activism I think it's great so good luck with all of that I would love that thank you keep me posted when you find that guy he exists (laughs) <laughs> I will. All right, bye. 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 Hey everyone, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. If you want to follow the show, follow me at Strict Anonymous on Instagram or Twitter. That's at Strict Anonymous. If you are on YouTube, make sure to subscribe. I love YouTube as a platform for my show because people comment there and I try to reply back to every single person who posts a comment. So even if you're not listening on YouTube and you want to talk about the show, go to my YouTube channel, subscribe, like, and share my videos. It's Strictly Anonymous Podcast. If you want to sign up for my Patreon, on my Patreon, you are not only supporting my show, but you will get these episodes early, ad-free, and you get to see anonymous pics of my guests. Most of the girls send in anonymous pics and some of the guys send in anonymous pics. So if you want to see anonymous pics of my guests as well as support my show and get these episodes early and ad-free, sign up for my Patreon, patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. That's patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. The link is also in the description below. Thanks so much for listening. Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone, to anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. 
send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is strictly anonymous. Strictly anonymous.